I'm a part-time rock star, but I go to work. What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 132. This week, with a pretty cool guest, we got uh, Mr. Rishi Ball of Eternal Boy. He is also the founder and operator of the Four Chord Music Festival in Pittsburgh, which is happening September 9th and 10th this year. It features the likes of Bad Religion, Pennywise, All Time Low, Jimmy Eat World, and The Story So Far, as well as more to be announced. Um, this was a really uh, fun all-around conversation, and I uh, definitely hope you enjoy it. Uh, Rishi provided a lot of insight on uh, what it takes to run a big festival, and uh, he's got some stories from, you know, the background scenes and all that stuff, as well as just talking about his band. Um, I featured his tracks uh, 30-something and A Long Year, respectively, so um, definitely go check those out if you like them. They're up on Spotify and Bandcamp and all that stuff. I dropped the links in the episode notes, so uh, definitely go subscribe, follow, and all that stuff, and uh, please drop a rating on the podcast or subscribe to that. As well, wherever you may be listening, it always helps out. And as always, thanks for supporting local music and local art. We all definitely appreciate it. Hopefully, you yourself are doing all right wherever you may be tuning in from. Um, in personal news and notes, I am uh, a little surprised that I still have a voice after about four nights of gigging and about ten plus hours of singing. But uh, I want to thank everybody who came out to the shows and thank uh, Rory at Colt Classic, uh, thank Dark Horse in Annapolis. Uh, I want to thank the horse you came in on in Fells Point. And also want to thank Emma at The Wharf in D.C. for having me. It was a great weekend all around. And then uh, last thing to mention is Truly Strings, the sponsor of the show. Definitely check out Steven. His page is Truly Strings on Instagram, and the link for that should be in the episode notes as well. Without uh, further ado, we'll get to the interview with Rishi. How's it going? All right. Um, I know you can't see me, I guess, but uh, NBD. Uh, my name is Brett, by the way. What's up, man? Yeah, I, I can see you on my phone. My, but like I said, I'm in my, I'm in my car right now. Oh, okay. 
cool. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Um, this is what I call the, uh, the part-time rock star podcast that started uh, a couple <laughs> years ago. Nice. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember who... Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was uh, Nathan in uh, Famous and Fallen. I was talking to him. I've known him for a couple years, and he mentioned you and uh, said you'd be a, a great guest to uh, come on the show. Yeah, no, I know Nate. Yeah, I know Nathan. Um, he, we, we met him years ago, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I guess I, I guess in many ways I personify the part-time rock star in many, <laughs> in, in, many yeah. in many forms. But yeah, I'm stoked, man. Sick. Yeah, uh, I think you do. Because um, like I said, I got to off the bat maybe apologize real quick. I wasn't even sure you were in a band because uh, he just mentioned um, Four Chord Music Festival. And uh, yeah. That was just kind of something that uh, I definitely wanted to talk to you about. But then, uh, yeah, I was checking out uh, Eternal Boy uh, here. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've been in a, I mean, I've, I was in a band first and then, you know, started the festival and then started a record label. And then, so it's, it's, uh, it has been quite the journey over the last uh, 12 years, 10 to 12 years for sure. I imagine so. I mean, you're already like uh, a little bit of a hero of mine, I, I think, just uh, from saying that, because um, that's exactly, well, not exactly, but a similar trajectory that I'm trying to do, I think. Um, I actually nice. put, put on my first uh, small music festival uh, last weekend. Uh, oh, cool. Thing. What was it called? Uh, you know, part-time rock star fest, I guess. Um, oh, nice. Although the name's a little long, so the kids have been calling it Breadfest. I don't know if I'll I'll change it next year or not. And where are you from? Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, cool. Yeah, and very you're in Pittsburgh. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's been uh, played ev- absolutely everywhere you can in Baltimore area. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a very, very, very uh, kind city to Eternal Boy. Sick. Yeah, it's generally a pretty punk rock city. Um, you know, a little bit more uh, gritty than uh you know dc down the road there definitely definitely so uh so yeah i mean uh, i feel like uh for people who do know you maybe this is a little bit of something they already know but for people who don't like me who might listen in like uh i guess just if you have a quick rundown of a backstory i mean you said the band started first i think that's true for most of us and then you realize i guess that there's just so much other shit that goes into it or that you could put into it. And I imagine that's kind of the genesis maybe of, of how you got going. Yeah. yeah, sure. So, so I, uh, I grew up in a real like strict, uh, private school, uh, high school I went to in Western PA and, uh, uh, our previous, uh, previous bandmate, obviously as we get older, it's, you know, you, we find ourselves in different iterations of, of our bands, but one of my best friends growing up and I uh, were kind of the two kind of sore thumbs sticking out in, in a private school where you had to wear coats and ties. We both were in punk rock into punk rock um, really into like, the, obviously like I, you know, I, I grew up in like the drive through records era of yeah. pop punk and punk rock. Um, like I grew up like, you know, obviously my first record I ever bought was, was dude ranch by blink. Uh, you know, I got into Enema of the State with Blink, which got me into Hell Descendants yeah. and Bad Religion and all sorts of other punk bands. But we started a band. Um, we were called the Space Pimps for many years. Huh. Uh, it's a dumb name. We got stuck with in high school. But um, our senior year of high school, we started taking more seriously. We 
um, went and recorded an EP with kind of a bigger producer in our area. And then yeah. um, we got chosen to do the Ernie Ball Battle of the Bands uh, whenever I was like 17 or 18. And that nice. kind of gave us motivation to to do it. And and we did it hard. I mean, we, we toured constantly. We we did upwards of uh, 80 to 100 shows a year all through college. So we balanced being in college and doing it, which I found to be very helpful. It's like, you know, you'd go on tour, you'd lose every penny you've generated that entire year. And then you'd come home and you would at least have some direction at home, which I think helped, um, helped at least me a lot. So we did that all through college, um, and into our, you know, like mid twenties and so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, we kind of reached a critical mass. I mean, we had toured the world at that point. We toured Japan, we toured China, we toured, I mean, pretty much everywhere you could go. We signed to um, a few record labels had a lot of really cool opportunities, but it just seemed like we couldn't break that ceiling. So um, we went yeah. through some member shifts at that point, and uh, we released a record in 2014 called Eternal Boy. That was the mm. name of the last Space Pimps record. Gotcha. And um, that was our most popular record. Uh, and we ultimately uh decided to change the name once we kind of you know my, my my lifelong best friend had kind of moved on and moved to florida and so on and so forth so we changed the name in 2016 17 yeah. 2016 17 we changed from uh to officially to eternal boy and you know from that point on we things really really picked up for us we we our first record under eternal boy uh is called awkward phase it charted on seven of the top billboard top 100 charts uh, we had released a record during the pandemic called Bad Days Are Over in 2021 that yeah. um, actually was on one of the ballots for the Grammys for nice. three categories, which was gnarly. And and through being in a band, I, you know, I stayed in school and, and got my master's. I actually ended up getting my Ph.D. as well. Oh, well, um, congrats. So, yeah. So I have my Ph.D. in marketing and am, uh, that's why I want to say part time. It's more like three fourths time yeah. uh, rock star. But I, uh, I'm also a college professor now, so you know I'm in my oh, no in my early yeah in my early 30s. It's like I I saw that school lifestyle of like oh cool like you can tour like still yeah. full time and you can come home and have a decent you know job and so on in, in that kind of world. So I'm a college professor uh, at a small uh, small university here in Pittsburgh and in marketing, and then uh, all of it kind of just fed into this idea for Four Core. One of my favorite bands growing up was a band called the Ataris and they have um, a song called four chord wonder that all Mm -hmm. my friends and I, we'd write pop punk songs and we'd just be like, Oh, that's another, it's another goddamn four chord wonder. So ended up just starting four chord music fest 2015 at a small club in Pittsburgh. um, Mm -hmm. And it grew exploded over the last three or four years um, by accident in many ways. (laughs) But, um, and so that's kind of my, my, my world consists of, you know, music three-fourths and academia one-fourths i'd say you know i'm, I'm in eternal boy uh, i run and operate the four core music festival uh i did an offshoot in 2017 called four core music which is the record label um okay. and i've signed and released seven artists there and then i'm like i said i'm a college professor in marketing too here in pittsburgh so it's quite the amalgam and hodgepodge of life well that's awesome man like i said uh i'm already uh uh just kind of interested <laughs> to hear about your story just because like i don't know just a short backstory on on my uh thing is that i you know had a big boy job in the uh, fire department for a long time but the music thing kind of kept i don't know 
kept me more uh, fed, you could say, creatively, mm-hmm. spiritually, whatever. And so I've only mm-hmm. been reaching more and more into that world. Um, I have a band, obviously, but, um, you know, the podcast thing has started and the festival thing. So it's really cool to hear that uh, something that you started like that organically just blew up over like, you know, three or four years, like you're saying, um, besides having yeah. already even toured and, and all that stuff. So I sort yeah, of feel like yeah. there's a million different directions we could take this conversation. <laughs> um, I mean, mostly I think I wanted to talk to you about Four Chord because I feel like there's probably a, a bunch of cool stories from that and how, sure. what you've seen grow over a few years. But we could also talk about uh, the new record or new-ish, you know, 2021. Mm-hmm. I was jamming to that a little bit uh, prior to this interview. So I feel like yeah, uh, yeah. i got to leave it up to you as far as like what you uh, feel like you're uh, – promoting first or just feel well like i mean about... yeah I'm, I'm i'm always i think i'm always promoting i mean you know it's it yeah it's it's always it's always something whether it's a new record whether it's in you know the festival i mean it's just a very i think unique uh time period i think for music in general i, th- I think that in, in one end you know as a band and it all kind of mixes into the same world i think you know from a band perspective it's it's much easier to be in a band than it was when I was in high school. Uh, but it's also much more difficult to be in a band yeah. now than it was when I was in high school. One, because of changing mediums and changing, you know, platforms, you know, obviously TikTok being the platform I have. Um, I teach at, at, at the college. I teach it. I teach a entertainment uh, management course where every week we have like a, like an industry professional come in. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a head of A&R at Warner brothers and oh, yeah. they were telling me and they told my class that um, oh, during the pandemic and of course the pandemic is a unique situation. But during the pandemic, 75 percent of the artists that Warner signed were found on TikTok. Huh. So it's wow. like that whole grind maybe that you're used to the punk world, the rock. I mean, whatever it is, yeah. like the grind of touring and and like playing 80 shows, like it's almost like irrelevant <laughs> in, in many yeah. um, macro level populations. So I think that. The, an interesting thing to talk about is the, is that shift and that bleeds into live music you know during the pandemic people were jonesing to go to shows and now yeah. it's completely oversaturated right there's a festival you know there's hundreds maybe thousands of festivals in the united states happening every band and their mother are touring which makes yeah. it very difficult now to do shows so supply demand you know it kind of in full effect yeah, for sure. It's definitely over oversaturated. I still uh, will always personally believe in a, a good song being a good song. So to mm-hmm. some degree, maybe mm-hmm. the, the cream will always rise or whatever. And mm-hmm. then uh, from listening to like some uh, bigger artists, um, you know, mid-level artists like yourself too. Uh, one of my favorite uh, podcasts is actually Andy Frasco's. And I feel like he nice. talks about that all the time. And, uh, you know, one of the things I feel like he talks about is that, uh, you know, even if you get on the record label, like, I don't know, there's still, there's still some merit in, you know, building your audience, however you do it, not necessarily, it doesn't need to be through touring, like you're saying, but it does also, uh, it's hard to tell if the record label even uh, builds your, like a real foundational audience or not. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, I think, if, you know, over essentially since since the CD began its decline in, I don't know, we'll say 2005, 2006, yeah. 2007, I mean, it's been very ambiguous what a record label's job is, which is why I kind of wanted to, to start one. I mean, a record label essentially is a marketing firm anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, in terms of what you said uh, of building a fan base, 
I think it depends on what world you live in. I, I think that obviously like in the pop world and the mainstream world, it's changed of what exactly constitutes a musical experience. You know, mm-hmm. some, some people though, I, I can't empathize with it. Like I just don't know how somebody can go on TikTok and, and like be satiated, right. you know, and like yeah. be fulfilled in terms of their musical experience. But, but at the same token, like, you know, I'm not 18 anymore, you know, I'm, I'm 30. So it's yeah. like, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I don't know where that that's going to go, but, but I do know that the only thing I know for sure is that if you tour and play shows and you build a fan base that way, you know, it works. If you're a good band. And like you said, you write good songs. And, uh, I, I was given some very good advice when I was 18, when we were on tour with a bigger band and, and, and this lead singer of this band said, if you write a hit song, it'll make it to the top. Like you said, it'll yeah. float eventually. So I do, I do believe in that. I do believe that, but I just think there's so many different factors that play into it. I think that being oh, yeah. a musician now is less about being a musician and more about being an influencer. Like a promoter. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it just complicates the equation uh, of, of what exactly is the, what is the equation going to yield and how do you get it to yield what you want? Um, and I, I do think that there's a benefit in being more of a social influencer than a musician in the music industry. It sucks, but I think that unfortunately that's yeah. the reality we live in. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was like in, in the olden days, you know, you almost, you could sell records based on mysticism or something. Like if you mm. were a little bit of a reclusive artist or whatever, that would almost add to your mystique you know, back in the 70s or, you know, and now it's like, if you don't offer up your own self or your personality or like your personal life even or whatever, and let get like, let people get to know you, then uh, it's very difficult. Actually, it's almost like a rebound or an opposite effect. nowadays. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. That's spot on, man. That's spot on. I remember we had a, uh, we, we, right before we changed the band name from the space to eternal boy, this is like 2016. We, uh, flew to LA and had a meeting with one of the biggest independent record labels in the pop punk punk genre. Yeah. And they were like, Hey, like, so, so they didn't, I mean, they knew the music already. Right. They, we talked for hours about our personal brand. Yeah. <laughs> right. And in, in academia, you talk yeah. about branding and how to like, you know, make yourself a particular way or what, you know, what, what adjectives do, do you relate your personal brand with? But it's like when you actually apply it to like, it's like, dude, like I like going home. Like I love, and I know you're from Baltimore. I love Pittsburgh sports. I love video yeah. games. I love music. I love nature. It's like, it's like, how do I encapsulate that into a brand that's going to be delectable to like an 18 year old? You know, yeah. uh, and I remember, I remember talking through that with them and they were like, yeah, so like, and I'm six foot six, 220 pounds. I know you can't tell or see right now, yeah. but they were like, yeah, man, like, um, so you're kind of like the goofy cartoony guy and, uh, you know, you could lose 15 pounds, <laughs> right? I just remember yeah. talking about these things where I was just like, dude, yeah. fuck this, man. This yeah. is not, you know, so, so it's, it gets very, very convoluted in terms of what, you know, what people are looking for, what a fan looks for, what a label looks for. It just gets very convoluted and I've yeah. completely detached myself from it. It's just like, dude, just do good work and put your head down and see what happens. Hell yeah. And build your own shit, which you're obviously doing. I feel like, 100%. um, since you brought up like the age bracket thing for a second, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, like sure. I'm, th- I'm 32, but, uh, right. wh- where are you at? Same. Yeah. So like, I don't know, man. I feel like there's still an audience for like every age bracket. So like, obviously that 
you know, record label would want to pander to a certain age bracket, probably being maybe it's the genre or maybe it's just whatever. That's what they do. But man, like I still see people my age or slightly younger, slightly older, whatever, going out to shows and, you know, seeing like a certain age artist. So I feel like Mm -hmm. even if you age out of, um, you know, a bracket, it's like, there's just another bracket behind it or whatever. So it's kind of like, I don't know, a little fluid maybe. I mean, everybody in marketing probably wants to go for kids in the teenage years for obvious reasons, the imprinting and all that crap. They want to have like a lifelong, you know, relationship exactly with that uh, consumer, you know, as they they like to say. Yeah, you bring up a great but, point, actually. I mean, um, it's, it's like that, that's that's generally what, like all marketing, like says, oh, you get them young, then they'll be lifelong fans. Right. And what happened in the nineties in the early two thousands is that people were transient; they yeah. moved in and out, which is why the focus has now been more on brand. If you brand yourself a certain way that they'll stay longer. And I do think that there is a market for everything, like with the festival, right? So yeah. uh, the festival this year, Four Chord, for, for those that don't know, and I assume most don't, um, is that it's two days this year. Um, it's it's The first day is a much more older school punk crowd uh-huh. uh, with like Bad Religion, Descendants, Pennywise, Lagwagon, H2O. Um, and then the second day is more like in the emo pop punk revival throwback-ish with like Jimmy Eat World, All Time Low, uh, story so far the starting line so like i feel like that you're right there's a demo for everyone but record labels believe that the highest of course margins will be for younger people and i don't necessarily agree i, I really i'm more on your your side there's a market for everything there's a market yeah. to sell pictures of your feet on only fans you know what i mean <laughs> it's <yeah>. like <laughs> i think <Hell> it just, <laughs> i think it, yeah i think it just depends on the timeline you're talking about like if you want someone for life then maybe you you know, squeeze more pennies out of them on the long run. But like, you know, older people have more money and will buy, you know, a hundred dollar ticket or pay for your live stream or like be able to afford to do certain things that kids can't. So it's like, bro, you hit the nail right on the head, man. I think that right on the head, I literally think about, write about, do academic work, do real life. The highest grossing and most spending population by 2025 will be 30 to 48 year olds. Yeah. So I mean, it begs the question, you know, this whole emo or I'm sure you, maybe you saw like in Vegas, they're doing the one we were young fest. It's like when we were young is basically all of the, it's Jimmy world. It's Paramore, my chemical romance, um, alkaline. It's just like a humongous day of yeah. all this dude. It's sold out in like two hours. Yeah. Like all it, three days sold out in like two hours. It's just like, I've heard the promoters of that are the same ones that did uh, that festival in, or the big concert in Houston where everybody died. So yeah, Live, Nation, int- Live Nations is the biggest. Yeah, they're the biggest concert promoting company in the world, and they, uh, they're yeah. putting on the show. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see how how it all works out. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. But yeah. Hopefully they don't have Travis Scott or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they don't. They don't. But it's just it's a very weird word. And then you know. It, be, being the name of the podcast, right? Part time, part time rock star. It's like I always, everyone always said, like whenever we were like going to school and I was balancing this balance, they were like, "Dude, like, oh, why don't you go full time?" The cool thing about doing it, we'll say part times or three fourth time, is that you're not burnt out at the end of the day, oh, right? Yeah. So when you're when you're doing fourteen festivals a year, or you're doing, you know, I don't know, three hundred, two hundred shows a year as an independent band, dude, that can really really get taxing on your mental health on your oh, yeah. wallet and i just think that it's healthier to like have it all 
like I want to do a million things like outside of music yeah. too. Like yeah. I just think that it's it's to pigeonhole yourself into one thing. It doesn't help you as a person, which is why I also believe in doing like a wide range of, of activities. Yeah, I actually just sent you a, a book link uh, for Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me by my uh, favorite author, Howard Bloom, who was a uh, he was a uh, music um, not producer but um, publicist for all the big oh. artists back in the day. It's an amazing book, but the part of the reason that I was thinking is because a you're a professor, and this guy has one uh-huh. of the most brilliant polymath minds on the planet that I've ever heard speak. But um, wow. he's he's big into um, a subject that he thinks he invented called omnology that he wants to bring to universities. And huh. it's exactly what you're saying. It's a study of all the sciences. So oh, wow. he describes it as like being an eagle that flies over, you know, every discipline or every genre huh. of uh, collegiate study and being able to sort of tie together the piece pieces and see the analogous sort of links um almost like a fractal pattern in a way oh wow and then tie things together that other people can't see he's of course not diminishing or dismissing people who are uh like in the weeds you know going down the the molehills being sure absolute students of their particular um you know field Uh but He's um, a fascinating person to listen to, and I feel like... What's his name again? Howard Bloom. Howard Bloom. Huh. Yeah, he worked with Prince. He worked with literally, it feels like almost every... Obviously, Michael Jackson, but um, like... That's crazy. A ton of artists in the 70s and 80s, and he would do all sorts of crazy stuff with them to help them. But uh, that was one of the things that he mentioned, and it, I don't know, triggered something in my brain that reminded me kind of what you're saying, of like huh. looking at everything and wanting to be able to do more things and have balance um, right. rather than just be stuck somehow in your um, particular uh, craft. Not that that's a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what does he call it, an omni-what? I think he calls it omnology. Omnology. That's that's a really interesting perspective. I mean, I, I I mean, there seems obviously I'm sure there's validity to that, but you know, and as it pertains to like music and what we do, and you know, so yeah. on and so forth, I, I think that that's so vitally important. Just out of curiosity, what's your what's your uh, part time gigs? Like, what you you're in a band, you do the yeah. fest, and and what's your like, what's your job? Uh, paramedic. Oh, you're oh wow, that's awesome. Wow, yeah. that's super sick. Most underappreciated professions on planet Earth: <laughs> paramedics, nurses, and teachers. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely up there for sure. But, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you so, so, and that, and that lifestyle lends itself to being able to do your stuff on the outside. Yeah, I mean, these days I'm definitely uh, going through a little bit of uh, I don't know a changeover of lifestyle and trying to build stuff like this and um, do different things and getting literally more part-time jobs actually. Right. So I do like some sound and staging stuff as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like you're saying, having that life balance is really where, where things are. And I think that's uh, in the zeitgeist now for sure. After 2020, I think a lot of people are trying to think that way and balance things that way. So you're not, always getting burnt out on exactly one thing. Exactly, man. So, uh, yeah. Um, I guess while I got you on the line, I kind of wanted to just ask you if you had any fun stories, anecdotes, things you learned from uh, running this festival, man. Um, yeah. You know, people you ran into or uh, 
or even I don't know, just just random stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got oh my god, man. I mean, between between touring all over the world, between doing the festival, man, it's just like I've. I mean, this stuff I probably shouldn't say. Right. Uh, I mean, which I'll, which I'll hold in. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 I mean, you know, putting on a putting on a festival is you you. I mean, you you understand to some degree, you know. I mean, what what it's like. I mean, you know, from from staging to production to lighting to insurance to security to yeah. to talent budgets to hospitality riders. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. And, and thankfully. I've like incrementally gone to where I'm at. So like I knew, you know, I, you know, early on there was nothing really, I, I had no idea what I was doing. So like I was just kind of faking it till, till I, till I figured it out. But yeah. I think one of the, one of the more interesting stories that I had was um, this, I mean, the, during the pandemic, I mean, putting on a festival with, with, at a 10,000 capacity venue with uh, during the pandemic was very challenging. And in March, 2020, uh, right when the pandemic, right before the whole world shut down, yeah. I announced Four Chord Music Festival 7, and with it, I had Blink-182, which is my – it was my goal <laughs> yeah. from the Hell beginning. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, I know. It was awesome. Book confirmed, went on sale. Uh, 11 days later, the whole world shut down, maybe less, seven days later. And, you know, went through the whole canceling, blah, blah, blah. We ended up um, moving it to July 2021, thinking everything would be perfect by yeah. then. And it was a year – you know, over a year later. Yeah. And what happened in May of 2021 is that Mark Hoppus, the bass player of Blink-182, they were yeah. they were good to go. We were ready to roll. He got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so so they canceled all of their tour dates, rightfully so. Um, and you know, obviously, I was bummed was an understatement, but obviously, yeah. when you're dealing with life stuff like that, you can't. So from May of 2021, when I found out, remember, festival was supposed to be in July. Yeah, I got a new headliner. Um, moved the date even further back to, to provide, you know, more yeah. explanation to consumer. That whole process was fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. Like basically picking up a, a city and moving it, you know, moving it around. I mean, that was very, yeah. very difficult. Um, there were many fights backstage at festivals between bands. I won't say who, <laughs> uh, I broke up, a, I broke up a fist fight in 2021 this past year between nice. particular bands. Um, r- some of the riders that you would think, which are the hospitality requirements, are ridiculous. I mean, the mm. hospitality riders this past festival cost me $15,000 alone. Wow. Just to get food and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's a lot of like little behind-the-scenes stories like that, but I think that um, the macro-level story or macro-level lesson to be learned is that uh, – it is it is an absolute nightmare putting on a festival. <laughs> yeah. Well, my next, uh, I feel like obvious question is: you must have some sort of army behind you, other than just you. I mean, was is the record nope, label? No, it's just me, my friend. So you're? Are you also the whole record label? Do you have anyone working with you on that? I have, well, we I have I have deals with like distributors, and we have a, a distribution agreement. We have a public. I have a publicist. Um, but but generally but with, speaking, it is a hundred and fifty percent me. Um, so you're handling all the email. So you're handling all the emails, all the phone calls, pretty much everything. A hundred percent. And when you, you know, we're talking, we're talking That's nuts. Ten to fifteen thousand people this year. Like I mean, it, it is. Uh, it's getting unmanageable to the point where you know next year it's going to have to change. But yeah, man, talent buying, yeah. marketing, promotion, yeah. digital. Um, I've I've graphic designers that freelance that that I ten ninety nine. 
Um, yeah. You know, sound and lighting. There's a production manager that's 1099, but he owns and operates the largest uh, sound and lighting, high end lighting and sound in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, so like there's a lot of homies that like I've accrued over time, of you know, course. from touring and being in the music industry that help. But um, pretty much it starts and stops, stops with me. I mean, other than people 1099, there's really nobody else. Yeah. Um, I have one partner this year, which is a is a big independent concert promoter. I'm very big on independent that, you know, we don't have any live nation. We don't have any corporate conglomerates. We have no affiliation with any larger, you know, type uh, organization. So I'm big on that. But it's really me. Same with the fest with the record label. You know, we I have distributors and graphic designers, though I am graph graphic design trained. Um, all of that stuff is basically uh, just me. And it's fun and it's awesome. And the minute it's not fun is the minute I'm done. Uh, hell yeah. I, I fully support that philosophy for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like you're going to have to outsource yourself to AI or something, man. That's uh, <laughs> like freaking nuts. I would have, I, I work with a, like a production company around here and there's like 14 dudes just to run like very, like two stages almost like very small you know, shows or festivals. So that's right. uh, pretty, pretty damn impressive. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, the production side is, I mean, you know, we have, we have 45 workers, you know, over, yeah. over, over those days of working production. I mean, there's, there's, you know, 35 security, you know, companies that we outsource and stuff like that. But I mean, I wish I could say I'm, I'm almost, I believe it or not, like I'm almost embarrassed to say it's only me, you know, yeah. I mean, cause it almost takes, it's like when you're trying to put a festival on and you're the only dude, it's like sometimes you like write emails being like, oh, we here at Four Core Music Festival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When really it's just one person, yeah. you know? Yeah, I definitely know that feeling, at least on a small scale. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, do you still get time to play shows then if you're uh, chipping away at that all year? Do you still do that? Yeah, so yeah, we like do. you got a couple dates on the calendar. So we, yeah, we, we, we have, uh, obviously the pandemic is, has, uh, slowed everybody down. I think independent music world has slowed down a lot. You got to think of venues that have closed down. The first one to close down are the ones that small independent bands play at. Yeah. So from the micro level, it's been, um, less, but we, uh, I mean, we're going to pick up huge coming, coming, come winter, you yeah. know, right now it's like a festival planning stage. So we had a bunch of stuff booked. Um, but then a lot of it got canceled, believe it or not, during the pandemic, even during the summer. Uh, some some things yeah. got canceled indoors. So we're focusing on writing right now. We have we have a new record we're going to record in August, Sick. and then um, in New York City, and then we will play some shows in August, and then we have the festival, and then it's all band mode. You know, from at that point. Hell yeah! So uh, yeah, kind kind of figure on that note. Uh, figured maybe we just talk about the, uh, the the last album, unless you want to talk about the new unreleased one. That's cool too. But, no, um, no, we can do whatever, whatever. I figured I'd slap uh, a song or two on this episode here for you. If there's nice. one, one uh, or two that stand out, or you feel like you're just in a particular mood today, and you want to address something, um, maybe someone gave you, <laughs> trolled you on Twitter, and you just need to get it off your chest. But um, I felt like I don't know. I'd, I'd slap like thirty something on here. It seemed like a good Great. song. Uh, it seemed like a long year was the uh, the biggest one, of course, the hit, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about the overall theme of the yeah. uh, the record or the process or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, "Bad Days Are Over" is is uh is uh 
nine song collection that uh, we finished recording about two weeks before the pandemic in in uh, in Jer- North Jersey, right near New York City, with a with a pretty big producer that produced a lot of our favorite bands growing up in the drive through records world, like the Starting Line, Newfound Glory. Um, his yeah. name's Chris Badami, and he uh, we finished it. And we're planning on, you know, going full, full on. Um, it, it would have been four core music, six the release, uh, but the pandemic hit, so you know everything was on hold. We were kind of just treading water for a while, doing some live stream stuff, and then we decided, you know, when shows weren't coming back after a year, uh, we were just like, we need to get this out there. So we did a on April thirtieth. We released it in twenty twenty one, and you know, just kind of did a full on assault PR campaign digitally through, you know, TikTok and live streams and, yeah. and Q and A's. And, you know, we did everything we could th- that we couldn't do from performing live, which we normally would be on the road promoting that record. And, um, we did a album release live stream that weekend. We had a whole week of events and, um, you know, the record essentially, you know, it was accidentally written in a way that really spoke to the pandemic, a lot about isolation Um, a lot about, uh, you know, depression, but also a lot about like the song 30 something is about, you know, you know, not putting on hold your dreams, you know, Mm. just because you hit your thirties. We talked about this earlier, you know, it's like, Oh, you're not 21. We can't sign you. We can't, I mean, it's, it's, it's horseshit. Um, and so it's kind of a testament to that whole dream and that you don't need to kind of rely on somebody else's help to, to fulfill your dreams very diy of us as we always have been and you know it made perfect sense uh one of my favorite bands is a band called rufio they're from the early 2000s like punk pop punk world and Mm -hmm. they're um they had a really famous line in one of their song called um honestly the bad days are over it's like making it through and with the pandemic and with you know kind of culminating we thought that it was a it was a it was aptly titled um, that for that particular time period. So records kind of an amalgam of, of kind of growing pains, you know, wh- whatever, well, whatever those may be. Fair enough. And then, uh, I don't know, for some reason I was kind of curious, what's the L word? Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of people ask. It's, it's love. <laughs> I, I was, um, that was going to be one of my guesses, but then yeah. I had a few more too. So all right, it, yeah, <laughs> it could go a few ways and, and be yeah. interpreted a few ways, but it's a bit of a, I mean, yeah. it's not a controversial title, but it is one that will make you be like, oh, what are they talking about? But yeah, yeah, there's a video for that, too, that we did that's really cool. We did it. We shot it at my university where I teach. Nice. Um, and uh, again, you know, uh, it's it's about it's like a very utopian, purist perspective of what love is. So hell yeah, it's cool, man. Well, I love um, love, man. Yeah. Makes the world <laughs> go round. Um. But yeah, so uh, September 9th is four chord, officially. Ninth and tenth. Ninth and tenth, right on. Yep. And it looks like you guys are playing the ninth specifically. We're playing the tenth. Yeah, we're playing the second chord. day. Okay. Any temptation yeah, to playing... put? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, we're we're playing the second day, and then that that's like the Jimmy World Day, and then the first day is the more punk day on the ninth. And uh, who's headlining again? I think you've mentioned a bunch of them before, but like Pennywise and all that. Yeah, so first day is Bad Religion, Descendants, Pennywise, okay. and then there's like a little heavier bands for people. Like there's a, a yeah. band called Silverstein, Amity Affliction, Story of the Year, Lagwagon, H2O. And then the second day is Jimmy World, All Time Low, The Story So Far, uh, The Starting Line, The Main. There's a big band that I haven't announced yet that we're not allowed to announce yet um, that's gotcha. coming in July. 
Um, and then there's the the kind of the homies I call them that are like yeah. the lower build bands, which are my friends and the grinders. Yeah, was there any temptation? I gotta ask if you had landed a uh, blank to put yourself on, you know, opening just hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's the cool thing. The four chord yeah. started with the DIY spirit that like it yeah. can help band. That was kind of exactly. how it's all started to begin with. But yeah, but you, I mean, you and you know, I will definitely be working on getting blink for 2023 without question. So so yeah, let's, hopefully, let's, let's cross our fingers. Hopefully, Mark's doing good now. I think according to his Instagram, seems like he's yep. been all right. And then yeah, uh, man. Tom's out there talking to the CIA about aliens, <laughs> and Travis is drumming Travis on somebody's is record. Travis Kardashians. Or, yeah, or whatever he's up to. So yeah, we'll see. Sweet. Well, yeah, man. I feel like I could talk to you for a long time, but I also don't <laughs> want to take up your whole day here either. Um, All good, man. So, unless you got any like parting, you know, shout outs, thanks, you know, stuff like that. Well, um, I want to thank you, man. I think it's cool. I, you know, I think more creative stuff like this is, uh, is, is needed. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, podcasts have become my, my saving grace during the pandemic. Same. So I think that hearing and, you know, as DIY or as, as well set up, I think that I've, I've learned a lot, you know, about podcasts and I, you know, I appreciate you taking your time to do this. I'm you know, obviously you have a lot on your plate too. So to, to, to balance it all, I, I know how you feel. Well, thanks man. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it earlier. It's like, if I didn't like doing it or wasn't passionate about it, uh, I wouldn't do it. So amen. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully you can keep things going up there in Pittsburgh. I will try to uh, get out there if I'm not gigging or doing something down here. So sounds like yeah, a good man. Time. Let me know. Let me know if you want to come to the festival. Let me know. I'll take care of you. Sick man. I uh, I got it down on my calendar, and I will uh, definitely let you know when this thing hits the airwaves. Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, you have a uh, lovely rest of your day. You too, man. Take it easy. All right. I'll see you later. So, yeah, I really just want to thank uh, Rishi for coming on the show and taking the time to talk. Like I said, I think it was an all-around fun conversation. Got to a lot of different subjects. And uh, i got to say that the first song you heard was called 30-something. And the song you hear now is called A Long Year. So definitely go check out Eternal Boy wherever you listen to music. And definitely think about uh, coming out to the Four Chord Music Festival this year in Pittsburgh. Later. Wasted time to you. You led me on, but inside I always knew.
led me on, but inside I always knew. You proud.